One, prepare. We're not prepared. Check that off the list. Take Tuesday's over. Not happening. Welcome to the best kind of worst. No, no one fucking cares. Everyone cares. Who? I care. Dick suck. So there I am in the parking lot, underwear and a guinea. Hang out in the backseat of a 7-Eleven. It's an ammo! We might die. So you want to talk about those lesbians? We need a bay update. I slept on the fucking tile! Episode 62. Why is there an echo? There it goes. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm solo this week. Uncle Oli is out there having a grand old time in Japan. He was down at uh, Shaboya Crossing. It's like uh, the Times Square. I butchered that name. Probably got it wrong. It's like the Times Square for um, for Tokyo. It's the first time in a long time he actually went to a country and he wasn't having to work. So that's, uh, that's actually pretty cool. I was excited for him. And uh, next week we'll get a breakdown of how it went. Uh, I saw him doing the Mario Kart thing. Uh, eating ramen. Eating... Uh, Korean barbecue. I'm hoping he's eating a lot. I'm hoping he's eating a lot of carbs because he was pretty keto last week, so it'll be interesting to see how well he followed. I've been strict on this keto this week, dog. Oh, and it's hard because Senior had surgery, so, you know, everyone keeps bringing over sweets, cakes, cookies. There's a, there's a fucking vat of cookies yesterday. In Publix hitters, God damn, it's depressing. Honestly, it's honestly depressing. It's tough. It's really not tough. Um, I just don't ever get hungry. So when you go keto, you got to get those uh, calories from some other source because you can't eat any carbs. And uh, I do a modified keto because. My body doesn't metabolize fats as well as other people, so I, I can't do a strict by-the-textbook keto diet. I have to go more on the protein, less on the fats. So it's even harder. So I think yesterday, I mean, I ate like two pretty packed meals, and it was only like a 1,000 calories because it's a lot of vegetables. Oh, it sucks. It sucks. But we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to stay healthy. Oh, man. This, it's been a long week. Been a long week. Oh, well, you know what? Let's start out appropriately. The intro song. Fucking idiot. 
Uh, that's uh, Cautious Clay. Cold War, I think is what that song Yeah, Cold War. Cautious Clay. I don't know. I, I, I love um, Apple Music because at the bottom of artists and certain songs, it'll give you stuff like that. And I happen to be listening to something and it was like, oh, you might like Cautious Clay. <clears throat> and, uh, well, it was right. It's right a lot of the time. So shout out Apple Music. <coughs> trying not to cough. Been going hard at the gym. I went so hard the other day, it hurt to breathe. I had worked out my core so much, it hurt to breathe. It was very interesting. I've never experienced that kind of pain. The obliques were on fire. On fire. But, but we're, we're trimming. We're trying to get down to that 135. We're trying to get that strap, baby. We're trying to get that strap. Never going to come close to 135, but we going to try. Holy might. God, he would look terrible. I think he would look terrible at 135. I would look terrible. There'd just be legs and bones. Ole would just be bones. Bones and balls. All right, let's get into this week. Like I said, it's just me this week. I thought about inviting uh, Sister Vintage, and then I just forgot, so. Oh, what happened this week? I guess we'll start off with the the Odessa shooting. Oh, man. <clears throat> and a, a man out of Odessa, Texas. <clears throat> Shot and killed seven people. He hijacked a mail truck and then began firing. He ended up taking seven lives before, I think, law enforcement put him down. Yeah, it was last Saturday. During the shooting rampage on Saturday, the gunman abandoned his gold Honda, hijacked a mail truck. He continued to open fire. The suspect was traveling towards a movie theater called Synergy. Synergy? Synergy. Like cinema? Synergy. At which point he was then engaged by law enforcement. A shootout followed and the suspect was killed. Our hearts uh, and our thoughts go out to the seven victims and their families and friends. It's never a... It's never a good day when you have to talk about a mass shooting. I don't know. I don't, I, a lot of media outlets always... They, they just jump on it. They jump on it. And they have to redact their statements, or they don't even redact them. They just act like it just never happened. Uh, I know CNN was reporting that he obtained the gun through a private buyer, which would alleviate him from the background check. Um, that was the narrative being pushed. That wasn't true. That was uh, He actually got it through an illegal manufacturer, which as of yesterday, it looked like the FBI and law enforcement had some solid leads on the actual manufacturer. I guess someone was potentially making them out of their home. Um, it seems like they try to just blame the NRA for everything, and I'm not trying to um, denervate any blame from anyone, but he was actually the shooter. He was barred from illegally obtaining a firearm because he was deemed un, uh, mentally unfit by law enforcement. Uh, oh, law enforcement unveiled. 
He was denied a weapon in 2014 after failing a background check in Texas. He then bypassed the gun control measures and and obtained a gun illegally sometime before the shooting rampage. He shot over two dozen people, including a 17-month-old baby. That is awful. That is just... It's an atrocity. According to the Wall Street Journal, the shooter was struggling with mental issues of late. Mere hours before his rampage, the man called into 911 and the FBI tip line to rant about being fired from his job and the atrocities he had suffered. Authorities claim no threats were made. As noted by the outlet, those who've been committed to a mental institution are deemed adjudicated as a mental defective are federally prohibited from opening a firearm. It also makes it illegal to sell a weapon to such a person who the seller knows has been permit- prohibited. Hmm. I don't know why we avoid blaming this on mental health. I don't, I don't know why we go out of our way. I mean, obviously, it's to uh, alter the Second Amendment laws. That's, that's the number one reason, but... Oh, my God. And I don't understand why there isn't congruency with with the FBI tip line, if someone gives you a tip and obviously he called in, I'm assuming he, uh, this is an assumption. I'm assuming he gave his name since he was talking about his previous employment history. Why isn't there congruency with running his name to the system going, Oh, he tried to get a firearm in 2014. Oh, he's been adjudicated. He's been adjudicated as mentally unfit. Let's send someone to his home. I don't understand the con- why there's no congruency there. Obviously, it's probably a lot more hard than I'm making it out to be. But it's crazy. I mean, CNN jumped the gun and blamed private uh, private sellers, like a like at a um, like, like someone selling out of their home or at a trade show. And look, I think there needs to be more regulations on. Uh, on the leniency that some of these private uh, sellers get, I believe everybody should be run through a universal background check, a UBC. But again, a UBC wouldn't have helped in this in this instance as he obtained the gun illegally, illegally in, in every step of the way. And I don't know why we don't we don't want to talk about mental health. I mean, the last time Trump brought it up, he got lambasted by the left, and it's like, well. Look at the statistics. Look at the statistics. If if you can tell me somebody can shoot a seventeen month old and they're and they're a okay mentally, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Yeah. And then you got Mayor De Blasio from New York. New York has some of the strictest uh, state gun laws. Let me be disrespectful real quick. Mayor de Blasio uh, wants to seize semi-automatic rifles from citizens. He came out and said, um, you've said that, uh, uh, Tucker Carlson talking to Mayor de Blasio, you've said that you're for mandatory back buybacks of semi-automatic rifles. There are tens of millions of rifles in circulation now and presumably some large number of people who, who won't feel like selling them to the government. What do you do with these people? And de Blasio said, We've got to end the availability of assault weapons in this country, so 
I think if there were a ban on assault weapons and there was a buyback program, the vast majority of people, I think, would do the smart thing and sell them back. I do have a, I don't have a specific answer for you, but I think it's a good question. Carlson further questioned whether security detail that de Blasio has provided as a mayor would be subject to the same limitations as other fellow citizens. Oh, this is where this article is going. De Blasio wants a buyback program for all assault weapons, but apparently the security detail assigned to him as mayor, they have assault rifles on them. The Democratic lawmaker contended that as a government official, he is potentially more exposed to violence and therefore needs additional protection that semi-automatic rifles provide. Quote, they're sworn law enforcement officers, de Blasio said, referring to his bodyguards, sworn law enforcement officers who adhere to protect all of us. Quote, someone who serves in the public office for a limited period of time and in the society that we're living in, and I hate to say it, but public servants are vulnerable to violence in different ways. Our law enforcement officers are there to protect all of us. No, that, that's, that's, a, that's, actually, that's actually truly disingenuous. <clears throat> Because if you look at all the mass shootings that are happening across the United States and in other countries, um, rarely are they at elected officials. It's literally schools, malls. These are these are these are areas where there's a lot of people. Yes, we've had pol- politicians be assassinated. We've had politicians been shot at. We've had politicians die to those things. Yeah, but the 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 numbers are drastically on the other side that it, that an innocent pedestrian is getting shot. I think that's super disingenuous because even as a sworn law enforcement officer, if they have a bad month or a bad year, they can easily, easily go the other way. That's why when, when Oli and I talked about what, what, what true reform looks like for the Second Amendment, it is universal background checks and it's mental health assessments. What if one of the security details goes fucking batshit crazy? Then what? Then you don't have an answer. Then we're back. we're back to mental health. We're back to the same thing. We're back to the same answer. Universal background checks would be great, but also we need psychiatric evaluations done by an actual physician every X amount of time in order to... I, mean, I, think, I think if I remember our conversation correctly, Oli and I, uh, we equated it to having to renew your driver's license every eight years. Every, you know, every eight years, you got to get your eyes checked out to make sure you can still actually visibly see to drive. Well, okay, well, every year, let's go get you a, a, a psychiatric evaluation to know that, hey, over the year, nothing horrible has happened to you, a breakup, a lost job, you know, financial hardships, things like that, that would cause you to take that weapon that you've been checked out, deemed okay to have, and use it against innocent people. I think that's a completely disingenuous thing to say, um, but it's 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 not uncommon for him to say disingenuous things. Um, he's just deluded. Like a lot of people, that's a terrible, terrible thing to say. And uh, San Francisco had man, they just they one up themselves constantly, constantly. They uh, they've deemed the NRA a domestic terrorist organization. It's amazing. Uh, they've labeled the NRA as a domestic terrorist organization. But yet there are maps. There's an, there's an app. There's an app that will lead you, that will help you, as you're walking around the city, deviate from shit in the streets. 
because their neat their 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 clean needle program has completely blown up in their face. It's crazy. Uh, a little cleanup from last week. We uh, <clears throat> we talked about how Kanye West was building uh, com like 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 uh, he was building uh, what looked like cult esque compounds on his property in uh, California without permits and uh, working in non-allowed hours. Well, now he's turned around and he's bought a $14 million Wyoming ranch. And if you see pictures of this, I implore you to Google it. This is the beginning of a cult. And I think we, we said that last week. He's trying to start a cult. He, he is. He is trying to start a cult. His next album that he's working on is apparently going to be... Um, <clears throat> Heavy into the faith, uh, part of his Sunday service uh, moniker. The ranch itself has eight lodging units and is known for monster trout fishing. It has two freshwater lakes, a restaurant, an event center, and meeting facilities. And it's ranch right there, so there's horse barns, cor- horse barns, coral corrals, and lots of horses. Uh, I think it's out there in Cody. Yeah, it's out there in Cody, Wyoming. Cody is called the rodeo capital of the world, and uh, we can all imagine Sunday service being held right here. Uh, so uh, the property itself is more than nine thousand acres. He now owns forty-five of those outright, and the rest is leased from the federal government. He's starting a cult. He's going to start a cult. A cult of what? I have no idea. But the son of a bitch is starting a cult. I guess good for him. I don't know. Who knows? I don't think anybody knows what goes on in his mind but him, but himself. Oh, man. This week I, uh, switching to sports a little bit, this week I posted a Thing on Instagram about BJ Penn and uh, a couple of fights he's been getting into. BJ Penn is a Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, UFC fighter. Um, he's lost his last seven fights, which Dana White has come under some scrutiny for continuously putting him in fights that he's losing. <clears throat> and uh, this week, after his, he, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, he got in a couple of fights. He was seen getting knocked out by a pedestrian, which is astounding to me. And then, <clears throat> after getting knocked out, it looked like he was pissed off, and later on the night, bum-rushed the guy, took him to the ground, and then was just laying haymakers on his face. DJ Penn came out and said he was just utilizing self-defense. He wasn't charged with anything, uh, but it is in his home city, of a, a home city in Hawaii. Um... So that could have helped his cause. But Dana White was on ESPN this week, and uh, he was asked about the incidents, and he said that BJ Penn would no longer get any more fights in the UFC, which I think is a great thing. Uh, I, think, I think that's an awesome thing. I think he needs to uh, ride off into the sunset. Only problem is, is that he probably didn't make a whole lot in his career since he was one of the early ons. I mean, he's considered one of the greatest, if not the greatest, light heavyweight of all time. Um, you know. UFC fighters are paid horrific, in my opinion. Um, 
he made com- Dana White made a couple comments saying, you know, BJ's always calling me begging for fights. Pump pump the brakes, Dana. Don't don't use the don't be disingenuous. Don't use words like begging for fights. The reason why these guys got to call you for fights and they're the reason why these guys continue to fight in their 40s, in their late 30s, early 40s is because they haven't made a fucking dime. We're talking 50, 80,000 for a fight. You fight once a year. The racetrack manager makes $55,000 a year. It's disingenuous to use the terms begging for fights. Why do you think they're why do you think they're begging? Why? You think they're begging cuz they got stacks of cash in the back drawer and they're just they're just fighting because they enjoy fighting at that age? No, they're fighting because they need the fucking money. That's the only thing they know how to do. So I hate when I hate when box, boxing promoters do it all the time. Dana White does it. They they call me begging for fights. Fuck off. At least in boxing, I know they're getting fucking paid. At least in boxing, I know they're making money. McGregor made a hundred million dollars to fight Floyd Mayweather. Never boxed in his life. What did uh, what did Israel Adonis say? Making his last pay, his last uh, pay per view main event, he made three hundred thousand dollars. <clears throat> What's Khabib gonna make on Saturday against Poirier? A million? A million? He only made two because he fought Connor. Because Connor can sell the fight. Him and Poirier don't sell fights. They don't. They don't. They don't talk shit like that. That's just not their game. People are gonna tune in. Don't get me wrong. Oh, but oh, but buys don't matter because now you're on fucking ESPN Plus. So don't don't use terms like they're begging me for fight. They're begging you because you don't fucking pay them. But yet you probably make. 10, 20 million a year? Fuck off. You know, when asked about, you know, his mental stability and things like that, he, he kind of diverted from the question and said, well, if BJ needs me, all he's got to do is answer the phone. What BJ Penn needs, and what no one's saying is the potential for a CTE kind of issue, a, con- a, a concussion type of issue. Why is no one talking about that? I know, I know like TMZ and a couple of the non-MMA publications the non-true, like, you know, like Bloody Elbow and, uh, you know, all the, all the MMA-centric websites kind of skirt around that because, heaven forbid, we talk about CT or concussions or any kind of issues with the brain when it comes to mixed martial arts. What if BJ Penn is suffering from something like that? We just saw it with... Uh... Oh, Jesus, that other fighter. He had to take, like, almost a year off for mental health. What if it's a mental health issue, Dana? Do you, are you, do you, why are you guys not sending someone to help him? Why does he have to call you? That's your, that's your job. I thought the interview sucked. I thought, it, I thought the whole thing sucked. I thought he was completely disingenuous to someone that built the light heavyweight division. If I saw that and I'm Dana White, I'm sending someone out there to get this guy some help in any way, shape, or form. Because guess what? If he, if he goes to Bellator or the PFL and he gets fucked up some more and then in five years we find out, oh, he had some severe CTE, guess where most of that came from? It came from the UFC. You're going to be the fucking blame. We need to be open to, more, to having these conversations more. 
What are the effects? What are the long terms of long term effects of fighting in the UFC? UFC has only been around since the early '90s. We don't have enough data, and I understand that. You know, we don't have the George Foremans walking around shaking. I get it. Yeah, it's Joe Frazier. Either way, y'all get the reference. But this is just Dana White's M.O. He constantly skirts the issue, constantly puts the blame on the fighters. He's a shit promoter, in my opinion. I mean, it's real easy to promote these fights. UFC, it's real easy to promote UFC. There's no The ranking system's done by the UFC. It's not like boxing, where the independent organizations do the rankings, and you actually they're actually true rankings. UFC literally just goes, here's the top 15. Here's the top 15 as we see fit. That's it. That's how the UFC does it. So, BJ Penn, hope he gets some help, brother. Uh, talking about Nate, Nick, Nick, Nate. Talking about Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz comes back after a three-year layoff after fighting uh, Conor McGregor twice. He comes back, he beats uh, Anthony Pettis, I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and he calls out Jorge Masvidal. Masvidal-Diaz would be a blockbuster fight. I believe it would be more entertaining than what you're going to see on Saturday in Khabib and Dustin Poirier. In my opinion, that fight, Masvidal-Nate-Diaz, would be more entertaining than what you're going to get on Saturday. And he said, you know, we might not see Nate Diaz for another three years. Excuse me. The only two fights for Nate Diaz that make complete sense right now is Jorge Masvidal or Conor McGregor 3. That's it. And I get it. The Diaz brothers, they smoke pot. They say motherfucker a lot. You know, they're hard to, they're hard to control. They're hard to mold into what the UFC wants their fighters to be. I'm, I'm, I understand that. I can I can sympathize with that. I, everybody hears their, them speaking after fights. Everybody knows all the struggles that the Diaz brothers have been through. But he's got all the cards right now, Dana. There's two fights to be made for Nate, and it's Masvidal and it's Connor, And both of them should be main events, whether there's a title on the line or not. Maybe that's the hang-up. Maybe you don't want to give them pay-per-view buys being the main event. Maybe that's the problem. Again, it goes back to pay. We might not see him again for another three years. That would be a travesty. It'd be a travesty. And it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Why? Because you don't want to deal with him? You're a fucking, you're, you're, you're a joke. <sighs> I do not like promoters. I don't. I don't. Because there's some things that are just simple. There's things that just make sense. And for Nate Diaz, that just makes sense. Masvidal's in. He was in in the arena. He said afterwards when they talked to him, I'd fight him tomorrow. Sign the fight. Sign the fight. And then let's get Connor, Nate, three biggest pay-per-view you'll ever do. I think it'll be the biggest pay-per-view you ever do. I think after the Connor and Khabib debacle, I think they want to have more fights like Khabib once, where it's not so much shit-talking. I mean, look at, look at what they did to Colby Covington. I mean, regardless of what y'all think of Colby Covington, I know he talks a lot of politics, and you know, he's pro-Trump, and, and, and all this. And he's, he's just pro-America at the end of the day. He's a nice guy. 
But guess what? He, he, he watched professional wrestling and knows how to be a heel. And that sells fights. And guess what? He starched Robbie Lawler for five rounds, made him look like a fucking fool. What's his next fight? It's got to be for a title. And not the interim title he's got around his waist or whatever title he's carrying. It's, it's, it's for the real title. Colby Covington deserves a title fight. And let's see if they make it happen. Or are we going to get another year, year and a half layoff for him? Dana's got to put his uh, his personal feelings aside for these fighters. He's got to put his personal feelings aside. There's there 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 is right and wrong here, and having having Nate Diaz sit at home for another three years is completely wrong. Let's get into the biggest story for sports this week. It's it's been kind of the last few weeks. We haven't really talked. I mean, we talked about the helmet gate with Antonio Brown, but we didn't really talk about him as a person being terrible. Well, it looks like the Raiders are going to suspend him. He's going to... It looks like he will not suit up for game one, even though this morning... uh, This morning he apparently apologized at a team meeting. We'll see if that prevents him from getting suspended or not. But let's look at the timeline. Uh, He comes to the Raiders... He basically, well, let's let's take it all the way back. Let's go all the way back to Pittsburgh. You know, he's a the star receiver in Pittsburgh. They 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 go into week eighteen, the last game the last game of the season, the regular season. They win, they're in the playoffs. They're lo- they lose, they're out. He decides to sit out the game. He quit. He quit on his team. He quit on his team. All because really, Juju Smith Schuster had become such an integral part of Ben's throwing. Been through to Juju a lot. Now, is that because is that because Antonio demanded so much constant so much of the attention of the DBs? Is Juju only as good as? And that's a question that we'll find out here in a couple of weeks. Um, is Juju Smith Schuster as good as the as the Steelers think, or is he as average as AB thinks? Did he get so? Was he? Was he open so many times, or did he have such a good rookie season because A.B. was on the other side? It's an interesting argument. But, you know, week 18, he quits on his team and basically forces his way out of Pittsburgh. And Oakland gets him. They gave up some picks and some other bullshit, and uh, they, 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 they void his contract out, and they award him a three-year uh, contract with, uh, I don't know what the total was, but it's a $30 million guaranteed. So essentially, um, the way NFL contract works, contracts work is that you get guaranteed money as a portion of your overall. Then once your guarantee is paid off, they can cut you and they can trade you anything without any owing you anything, right? So his, essentially his contract is a two-year contract, 15 a year, because once they pay him out the 30, he's good to go. So they have him on the hook for two years. He got a $1 million signing bonus, but that is actually broken up into two parts per his contract. It was broken up into two parts, $500,000 this season, $500,000 next season, and they're based on uh, attendance to off-season workouts. He had to, he had attend 80, he had to attend 85% of the workouts in order to obtain uh, each portion of the, <clears throat> of the million. So, 
he did not meet 85% of his workout uh, bonus. So he didn't get 500000 to start the season. And he hasn't been paid for this season because we're not at week one yet. So as of today, the Raiders have essentially paid Antonio Brown $0. They have paid him nothing. The moment, the moment Sunday's game comes and he's on their active roster, active roster, He's locked. They've, they're locked in for $30 million. So that's when he'll start getting paid some of that guaranteed money. Now, I said, he forced his way out of Pittsburgh, goes to Oakland, and then we talked about Helmet Gate. Uh, the NFL last year knocked off a bunch of old helmets that players were using, players like Tom Brady, Antonio Brown, and said they were just they just weren't up to safety standards for the NFL when they started doing their concussion protocols and their concussion uh, reform. Antonio Brown filed a grievance with the NFL to allow him to use an older style helmet. He said it was more comfortable. He said he he said the newer helmets impeded on his vision, even though the overwhelming majority of players that have switched to the newer helmets say that they can see more. The NFL said, no, you need to wear the helmet. He filed a second grievance, and they said again, no, need to find a new helmet. He tried to find a scapegoat. I think uh, Ole talked about that last week, and the NFL again said, no, no, that's that's not, that's not going to, you're going to get a new helmet. The Raiders supported him through the whole thing. Mike Mayock, general manager, John Gruden, head coach, full support. Full support, full behind him. So, helmet gate's over. Now this week on Instagram, he posts a a picture to a story of a fine, a fine that General Manager Mike Mayock sent him to the tune of fifty three thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars. He was fined thirteen thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars for missing a team walkthrough on eight twenty two. He was fined forty thousand for missing a practice on eight eighteen. The same day that Mike Mayock said either AB is all in or all out. So, and in the in the IG post, he said that, uh, you know, he's not the devil and that his play is going to prove everyone wrong and all this. And uh, basically, basically called out general manager Mike Mayock. For the first time in AB's career, he's actually being held to a standard. The That's one of, part of the problem in Pittsburgh is he just wasn't held to any standards. And then towards the end, they were. It was too late. They, Pittsburgh knew that they had to either pay him because he is probably the best receiver in the league, or let him go. And if you pay him, you already have a guy with an inflated ego, and then you give him millions of dollars. Now it's just going to get worse. He thinks he's above the team. He thinks he's above everyone. And now he comes to Oakland, and it's all smiles. He's at Derek Carr's house. They posted on YouTube how. Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback of Pittsburgh Steelers, never invited A.B. over to his house and how he's got an open-door policy at Derek Carr's house and all this bullshit. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all good, it looks like, you know? But then he starts missing walkthroughs and missing practices. And for those of you that don't know, that walkthrough on August 22nd was in, I believe, in Winnipeg. So literally all he's got to do is come down from his hotel room to the conference room and just be there. 
off-season workouts, he literally could just walk in and get on a get on an air assault bike and just bike for two hours and then go home. All he had to do was come to 85% of those. He couldn't do that. Now he's missing practice. So they fine him. And in the bottom of the letter that he posted, Mike Mayak put on there, if this continues or anything else happens, we're going to f- deem that contract... Um, uh, what's the term? Conduct detrimental to the team. And once they deem conduct detrimental to the team, the team can't suspend you. Well... After he posts that on Instagram the next day, Mike Mayock is down at the practice field, and he comes down, he's walking around, AB catches a pass, throws it up against the fence, yells out, find me for that two, runs over to Mike Mayock, and apparently has a horrific exchange. Uh, It looks like he called Mike Mayock a cracker, unleashed a barrage of cuss words, players had to pull him apart, Uh, one player in particular was Vontez Burfik, had to separate the two, it seems like Mike Mayock from what team sources are saying, said, hey, I understand your frustration and tried to just walk away from the situation, and A.B. kept on. Well, after that, uh, sources started reporting that they were, in fact, going to suspend him for that because that is the last straw. Now, the key thing here is if they do suspend him, which they have not announced yet, if they do suspend him and he is not on the week one roster, they can void his contract, and he will have essentially spent the entire offseason with Oakland for zero. For zero. So now the decision is, do we, do, we, do we suspend him so that we can get out of this? We can get out of this contract. We can get the hell out of this thing and, and, and just go into the season with basically what we had last year, minus a few pieces, minus a few picks. Did we waste our time? I mean, this is the first big deal for first-time general manager Mike Mayock. So this is real tough for him. This is a tough decision for him. It's a tough, tough decision for, for Gruden. To be a first-time general manager and put all your eggs in the Antonio Brown basket and then have him just spit in your face, well, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good at all. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I mean, in my opinion, Antonio Brown needs needs some... Well, theme of this episode is fucking mental health. I think he needs some help. Obviously, he has some kind of God complex that that is just... I've never seen a player act like this. I mean, I know we can go back to the Allen Iverson days where he said, practice, practice. I ain't practicing. Well, Allen Iverson was the at that time, I don't know, probably the greatest player right? at, at that time, the best player in the league, right? And NBA contracts are, are and to my knowledge, fully guaranteed. So it's a different, it's a different ball game. I mean, this is the argument for the NFL when they – when they constantly want to want to talk about guaranteed, like fully guaranteed contracts, the NFL just keeps balking at them because, at the players' association, because they have examples like this. Like, what if what if AB's contract was fully guaranteed and they're on the hook for fifty, fifty, sixty million, and he might not ever play a down for them? I mean, look at uh, look at that pitcher for the New York Mets, uh, Bonella. They owe him like two million dollars every year, and for like the next like fifteen years, and they they, they you know there's a, a fucking holiday called Bonilla Day where he gets his two million dollar check. That's the argument against it. That's the exact. I mean, he is he is making the argument for the NFL for not for not doing these guaranteed contracts. It's crazy, and he went on um 
he went on Instagram, and I know this is kind of stupid, but he went on Instagram and unfollowed Derek Carr's quarterback. It sounds stupid, but that's real important because that sounds like maybe Derek Carr stuck up for Mike Mayock to Antonio Brown. So, you know, all that, I have an open-door policy at his house. We we brothers, we're friends. Uh, ben never invited me over. Well, it seems like if it ain't good for you, then it ain't good for anybody. Because what, you ain't boys now? I mean, as a captain of a team, you have to take the side of the general manager because you have to know Antonio Brown is completely wrong in this situation. No matter what you think, there are rules. You have rules to follow at work. As a confidential letter. And I'm sure if he would have gone like a man to Mike Mayock and talked to Mike Mayock, they could have made that fine either go away or at least reduced it. But no. No. You you posted on Instagram and you wanted to be a bitch about it. Well, guess what happens, kid? That's what happens. That's the real world, baby. That's the real fucking world. I think Dan Orvlosky from ESPN said it best. Antonio Brown is a great player. But he's a he's a terrible pro. He's a terrible professional. Because he doesn't know how to be one. And I'm not sure where, where these players just get off on thinking that they're above the law. You know? Tom Brady still has to follow every rule that even the rookies face. And, and, and journalists and analysts are always on the Patriots. Why doesn't Tom get a little bit of preference? He's been there 20 years. Well, that's, that's why. That's why. That's why it's called the Belichick way. You make everyone work just as hard as everyone. Nobody gets days off. That's why we won. That's why he's got six rings. That's why AB's got zero. He might have one. He might have one. It's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate situation. And if I'm the Raiders, I'm highly considering. Because they, they can't suspend him. Um, they have enough cause to do it. No, no appeal judge is going to overturn that. And if you can, if you suspend him, you can cut him. I would consider it. I don't know if I do it. I would consider it. This is obviously a, a discussion that's going to be with Mike Mayock, Gruden, and the ownership. But you know, and then you got AB's um, <clears throat> agent feeling questions about his mental health, his mental stability. You know, and you know he's. Drew Rosenhaus, he's a piece of shit, but he's he's saying all the right things. Why? Because once that thirty million locks in, Drew Rosenhaus gets three percent. The standard, all NFL agents get a standard three percent. So, three percent is better than zero for him, right? <sighs> It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But we'll see. The NFL the NFL season kicked off last night. Uh, the Packers beat the Chicago Bears. Trubisky uh, didn't look great. Quarterback for the Bears didn't look great. It really wasn't an offensive game. It was mostly a defensive game. I really didn't watch much of it. But the little bit that I saw, that's what I saw. Ezekiel Elliott got a huge contract from the Cowboys. $50 million guaranteed. 90 overall, essentially locks him up for the next seven years. 
Jared Goff got the highest guarantee for a quarterback ever at 110. Adds a crazy contract to give to Jared Goff, even though I think he's a good quarterback. Um, but that just drives up the the market for quarterback contracts because the next one up is going to be Dak Prescott from Dallas. So now the number for Dak is going to be, what, 111, 112? I mean, that's that's the reality. He's your starter, so right? And he wants to, he, every starter wants to be the highest paid with the exception of, you know, the glorious Tom Brady. I don't think Dak is worth 112. I don't know if golf is worth 110. It's crazy, but that's 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 the NFL. Uh, I think Shannon Sharp said it best. Uh, the highest contracts go to the quarterbacks, and then the second highest contract go to the guys that chase after the quarterbacks, and that's what we see. And I, I, I love the uh, the analogy. It's exactly true. So Dak just got dollar bills for eyes, son. I can't imagine dropping 112 on Dak Prescott, but they're going to probably do it. It should be 112, four years, 112, maybe five years. We're talking 30, 30, 32, 33 million a year. It's insane. Oh, we have any more, any more sports? I don't think so. I think that pretty much sums up the week of sports. Let's get into some. Oh man, and this might have. This wasn't really this week. I think it happened last week. But um, man, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter. Yeah, last Friday his account was compromised. Someone hacked into his account and just started throwing out all kinds of racial epitaphs and homophobic epitaphs, all kinds of shit. Um. That's alarming. I'm not. I'm not sure why this didn't get more attention. Because if the CEO of Twitter's Twitter account can get hacked, then anyone's can. So let's play this hypothetical. What if? What if the president's Twitter got hacked and he started throwing out all this North Korea and Iran shit? What happens then? Do we? Do we? Can can a hacker start a world war? I mean, if, if, if Jack the CEO, Jack Dorsey, can be hacked, we're all vulnerable if you're on Twitter. That's scary. That is fucking scary. That's crazy. He can ha- if, if a hacker can get into his account, they can get into Hillary's. They can get into Trump's. Any, 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 any politician. And just start spewing hatred everywhere and then boom we're in a world war that's crazy oh I did have one more uh, one more sport thing uh, yeah Drew Brees Drew Brees got a little bit of heat this week and I, it's so fucking stupid so stupid I don't I'm not a religious person, but I don't know when being a religious person automatically automatically labeled you as anti-gay. I don't know when that happened, but that shit's gotta stop. Just cause you just cause you are a religious person 
doesn't make you uh, anti-gay or anti-LGBT, because I don't think you can say the Q anymore, right? I think the Q's gone. So he went on. Breeze filmed a 20-second video for for an advocacy group called Focus on Family encouraging kids to bring their Bibles to school. And the what he said is, one of my favorite verses, this is a quote, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 5-7. For we live by faith, not by sight. So I want to encourage you to live out your faith on bring your Bible to school day and share God's love with friends. You're not alone. Nothing in that statement is homophobic, Nothing in that statement is about sexuality or homosexuality. He's a man of, of, of faith. He's a Christian. And he was advocating for you just to bring your Bible to school. Now, some of the headlines, some of the people that picked up this, uh, this story, I'm going to read you some of the headlines. Here's the first one. Drew Brees appears in video for gay conversion therapy sickos doesn't understand what the big deal is. The fuck? The the fuck? Jabriz literally said none of those things. Second headline. Drew Brees records video for anti-LGBT religious organization. Again, nope. Third headline, NFL quarterback appears in commercial for anti-gay extremists. Extremist. Nope. Fans are freaking out over NFL star Drew Brees partnering with anti-gay hate group. Nope. Another, and here's the final one. Drew Brees hasn't commented on why he's created a promo video for an anti-gay religious group that believes in conversion therapy and fights against any anti-discrimination laws. Wants, to, wants kids to bring Bible to school to convert other kids. No, he didn't do any of those things. He didn't do any of those things. The word gay was not mentioned in anything that he said. But the word love, the word share, the word friends is mentioned. I don't understand how being a person of faith makes you a fucking bigot. It doesn't make you a fucking bigot. You can be a Christian and not fucking hate gays. You know? I just, I don't understand. This is why when the president says things like fake news, this is the reason, ladies and gentlemen, everybody just goes for a juicy headline to get someone to fucking click on it. And now you've labeled him... (coughs) As a fucking bigot and an anti-gay, anti-LGBT, don't say the Q. He didn't say any of those things. If anything, he's advocating against bullying. He's advocating on being kind to one another. Something, some, a, a, a theme in the Bible. And I understand the Bible has you know anti-gay themes as well. I, I, I sympathize with that. I understand that. I don't understand. I sympathize. Um, but that doesn't mean that he takes that literal. I know some do. I, I, I sympathize. Some people take the Bible as literal and they hate gays. I, I, facts. 
dead ass. But the fact that this man has to come out and then again, again, come out and go, oh, I don't hate gays. I, that's not that's not what I meant. You know, the fact that he's got to justify or clarify a 20 second video is. It's horrible. It's horrible. Um, if you know anything about Drew Brees, if you if you know about him for 10 seconds, the amount of the amount of help he has brought to the New Orleans community uh, during Hurricane Katrina and thereafter, still doing it. It's more than what FEMA did. So to lambast this man as a fucking anti-LGBT, don't say the Q, out of, you're out of your fucking mind. You should be ashamed of yourself. If you are a journalist and you, you really went to school and this is the kind of shit you write, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself. I honestly don't know how you sleep at night. You want to talk about fucking divisiveness? Congratulations. Don't don't talk about divisiveness because you're doing it. Lean in, babe. Lean in and fucking be more divisive. I just flipped on myself, man. I got myself into a fucking shoot. Oh, man. Johns Hopkins University launches a facility to research magic mushrooms. Congratulations to Johns Hopkins. That's awesome. Researchers at Johns Hopkins in Baltimore have received $17 million in private donations to launch the Center for Psychedelic and Consciousness Research, a facility dedicated to studying potential the potential of psychedelic drugs to treat a variety of diseases. Um, it's not the first... Uh, it's not the first... <clears throat> uh, it's not the first team or, or entity to do that. Uh, MAPS also does it. They are doing MDMA testing on... Um, Bipolar, anti, um, sorry, bipolar depression and uh, PTSD, and they're showing outstanding results. So I think this is a great thing. I think, uh, I think uh, psilocybin. Uh, when they when someone says magic mushrooms, they're mostly referring to psilocybin. Um, I believe that's a that is that this could be an outlet um, for things like PTSD, um, depression. Uh, even potentially to treat opioid addiction. Um, so anytime we can do this and, and the FDA, FDA doesn't get involved, or I'm sorry, doesn't block anything and allows this kind of stuff to happen, that's a good thing. Oh. In 2016, researchers at John Hopkins conducted a double-blind study of the effects of magic mushroom on cancer patients with existential anxiety and depression. According to Hub, a research blog managed by John Hopkins, the study showed that, six, quote, six months after the final session of treatment, about 80% of the patients continued to show clinically significant decreases in depression and anxiety, with about 60% showing symptom, symptom remission into normal range. So those are pretty high numbers. Um, Yeah, it's just more statistics in the study. Yeah, it, uh, those are good numbers. Those are really strong numbers. So I would, uh, I'm hoping that the uh, that this is uh, something that we uh, we study extensively, and maybe it could potentially be a pharmacological treatment to, to help some people out there. So I think there's a lot of uh, pros about psilocybin. Obviously, the you know, people that use them uh, illegally, obviously using them to hallucinate or whatever, get high or whatever, but 
I think there's a lot of uh, untapped potential for them to be used in a controlled clinical setting. So, we'll see. Uh, this was one of my favorite, favorite headlines I read, and I read the whole article. This is one of my favorite things of the week. A vegan woman in, uh, it's not in the U.S., oh yeah, in Australia. A vegan woman has filed a lawsuit against her neighbors in Australia in the Australian Supreme Court after complaining about the smell of meat and fish emanating from their barbecues in their backyard. So these people are barbecuing in their backyard. And she has filed a Supreme Court lawsuit to get them to stop because the smells... All I can smell, quote, all I can smell is fish. I can't enjoy my backyard. It's deliberate. The lower court in February threw out the case, and that's when she decided to move it to the Supreme Court. I hope the Supreme Court gets this and just tosses it in the fucking garbage. The lady had filed nearly 600 pages of documents in her appeal of the case, quote, well in excess of anything that might be thought to be proportionate to the issue. Her, her, her case is 600 pages. Could you imagine a, a court, a Supreme Court, just, a, a, you know, a Supreme Court having to read 600 pages of their, <laughs> their barbecuing in their own backyard, and it's bothering me. I mean, that's essentially what, what it's going to say, right? Obviously, the 600 pages is going to, is just to prove the, quote, deliberateness of it, but get the fuck out of here, lady. Move. Get the fuck, move. Move. They shouldn't have to move. They're not breaking any laws. Fuck off. It looks like the Pentagon has released uh, $3.6 billion dollars for military construction projects to erect a new wall structure along the southern border, so it looks like uh, Trumpy might get the might get part of the wall. Uh, it looks like it's going to get held up just for a few more days for some other shit, but it it, it looks like he might actually. Uh, in a five four decision, the court approved uh, two point five billion. And it's gonna. It looks like it'll create a hundred miles of fencing. Oh no, no, that was a that was a while back. Okay, so with so the two point five billion equated to about a hundred miles of fencing. So if the three point six is is officially moved for the wall, that would mean a hundred and forty four miles. So he would have erected about two hundred and forty four miles of wall. Between 1990, when President George W. Bush first constructed a 14-mile wall along the San Diego-Tijuana border, and 2011, when Barack Obama falsely declared the wall basically complete, the United States constructed 640 miles of border fencing, which most of which failed to meet uh, demands of Secure Fence Act, the Secure Fence Act of 2006. If he succeeds at creating this 244 miles, he can claim a 38% expansion of the border wall under four under four previous presidents over nearly three decades. Yeah, 
And I mean, that's that's really what he ran on. So getting at least, you know, 244 miles will be a big, big victory for him, especially the people that voted for him four years ago. So if he does get that 3.6, which it looks like he is, um, yeah, it looks like he is. I mean, it, it looks like he'll get at least, he'll, he would have erected at least 244 miles. <sighs> I always equate it to, you know, you put fences around your property to keep your neighbors out. So, I'm, I'm, it's not, we're not keeping, we're not keeping Mexicans out from coming here legally. We're keeping the illegals from coming over. So, I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm fine with it. And that's being an immigrant or a family of immigrants, I should say, right? Oh, man. What do we got? What else we got? Oh, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey, man. What a... I don't know what's happened to him. He started painting all these pictures, and he's kind of lost his shit. He said uh, He said this week... He drew up another painting. He put it on Instagram. And the caption was... Uh, 10,000 gun deaths in 2019... And the year is far from over. What Osama bin Laden did to us was terrible, but it doesn't hold a candle to Mitch McConnell. Like I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest fan of Mitch McConnell, but he's definitely not uh, a terrorist, and he's not uh, he's not as awful as Osama bin Laden. So you're 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 100 wrong about that. And his 10,000 death does not uh, delineate whether they were uh, homicides or suicides, which the vast majority of those numbers are going to be suicides. So his number. His numbers really aren't accurate. Um, let's see. Uh, gun suicide reached their highest peak in 2017, but the number of gun murders remained far below the peak. Its peak was in 1993, where there were 18,000 gun homicides in one fiscal year. So it looks like our numbers have been di diminishing every year, but the but I've said this before, the rate of suicide just keeps escalating. So that's what keeps the gun deaths number um, high. So your numbers are just not accurate. Uh, you're not accurate. You're, you're you're an advocate for socialism, yet you know you lauded these Nikes that you bought while at the same time on the Bill Maher show. So if we were socialist, Jimmy, you wouldn't be able to buy those. So I don't know. Get your facts right, I guess. I'm just rambling. I'm just rambling. You probably hear the clicker because you got to do it all on my own. <sighs> Anything happened today? Let's see if uh, AB's got an update. Are we going to suspend him? Oh, Antonio Brown, after delivering the emotional apology, uh, the plan is for Brown to play Monday night. If he is actually on the the roster like i said earlier he will they will be tied to him for the next 2 years for the tune of 30 million so hopefully they're making the correct decision and hopefully they've hashed all of this out um i don't know if y'all saw the NCAA season kicked off last weekend and uh head coach of the new FBS uh team the University of Liberty i don't know their 
their team name, Lib- whatever, Liberty something. Uh, their head coach, Hugh Freeze, actually coached from a hospital bed in the press box, in the coaching press box. That was hilarious. Um, I know Hugh Freeze has been in trouble a little bit with the NCAA for uh, – he, uh, he was the head coach at Ole Miss. He got in trouble for um, infractions due to paying players and uh, also – using a university cell phone to call escort service. So I know, you know, he's not the greatest of persons, but the fact that he was uh, coaching from a hospital bed was, was pretty, and was pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. But yeah. Oh, I don't know. Do we call it quits today? Did I cover everything? I don't even know. I really don't. Um, we got some more discounts coming. Don't blow into the microphone like a fucking idiot. Uh, we got some more discounts coming. Uh, let's see. I'll pull it up. We got time. We're just talking. Just a couple of girls having a conversation. Just a couple of ladies having a conversation. Wrong thing. I clicked the wrong link. Uh, the This is Friday. This will be uploaded today. So the, uh, the 20% ended last night. Ooh, we got a big one coming on uh, the 19th for four days. 19th, September 19th through the 23rd, we have free shipping. Uh, shipping through sp- our 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 partner is, uh, it's like $6. And then it kind of goes up, I think, by a dollar for every other item you have. So that's a really good promo code, especially if you're going to order like a mug or something with some weight behind it. That's a real good one to have. That's even better than the 20%, I believe. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, the 19th to the 23rd, we got free shipping. And then in December, for one day, we're going to have a huge, huge Tampa, a huge promo code. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's very big. Um, so start saving. Because that's going to be the day you're going to want to fucking, if you're thinking about ordering some shit, you know, for the free shipping, get a t-shirt, whatever. But if you're going to order a couple of things, December 2nd, mark it on your calendar. It's going to be a big one. And I got, we got 15 off. We got 20 off coming. But this one on December 2nd is going to be huge, Tampa. Oh, man. I think that's it. Uh, Shop Tiso, get that backpack. Oli took the backpack to Japan, so uh, we'll have an update on how uh, that backpack did for him. I know when I flew uh, for a couple days last week, two weeks ago, it was great. So hopefully it worked out really good for him. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Shop Tiso, get those hitters. Get up on our merch. Get yourself some uh, TB Cow or Sister Bay stuff. We're going to start, uh, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We're going to start uh, talking more about Sister Bay's platform here in about a week. Hopefully this next week. But we have some, uh, Oli and I are talking about doing some format changes to the podcast. Uh, we hinted to them last week. And I think we've, we've settled on uh, exactly the direction we want to go. Now it's all just uh, doing it. You know, it's uh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just him and I. You know, we don't have anyone helping. Um, you guys listening obviously help. 
and you know buying our merchandise which we do get a percent back that helps because it allows us to buy more equipment and be a little more efficient but you know we do most of this uh we do most of this on our own uh, all of it so um yeah we're just uh we have exactly what we want to do now we just need to put it to uh put it to work so there's probably going to be a format changing here in a couple of weeks, maybe, maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks if we can roll it out. We got a new t-shirt design, uh, should be up in there in the next week or so. I say week or so, probably like two or three weeks. I always just undersell. Mm, I guess that'd be overselling, right? Um, it's going to be a good one. I've been saying it's going to be a good one, so... Uh, Hopefully you guys will like that one, and uh, we have to. We, have, we actually have a couple of t-shirt designs. Um, I know we're gonna definitely have a t-shirt design with Pie Uncle Swole's face on it, since he is the uh, the face of the podcast. Uh, shout out Uncle Swole. Um, and yeah, that's it. Let's call it a day. Um. Yeah, I got nothing else. Uh, Y'all have a good week. We love you. Keep listening. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell strangers. Just walk up to someone. Just walk up to someone and tell them about us. Tell them to listen. Uh, Ooh. And uh, I'm glad I remembered to end on this. Uh, September is uh, Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, Specifically, September 10th is Suicide Prevention Day. We're going to try to, every episode this month, remind you to be kind to one another, include one another. Um, I know I've been trying to do this all week long, and hopefully it becomes a part of my everyday life, is uh, stop walking with my head down or a mean look on my face. I've been trying to smile more at people. Uh, I've noticed that it kind of make it kind of peps people up. You know, because I don't think we do that enough. I think with social media and how we communicate today through text messages and not too much on phone calls, I think we've gotten away from talking to people in the real world. So, um, you know, we're going to make it a point this uh, month to remind you every episode to talk to someone, smile at a stranger, ask them how their day is going. You have no idea the impact that that would have on someone, but it does. um, And it could prevent something like a mass shooting or them hurting themselves or hurting another so, uh, yeah, be kind to one another. It's very, very important. Smile when you see someone. Uh, say thank you. Say hello. Ask them how they're doing. You know, a, a simple how's your day going can uh, can really change someone's day or their life completely around. So uh, keep doing that. We love you guys. And uh, stay forever too sweet.